This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hello, my name's Tim Lamont. I'm a marine biologist at Lancaster University. I'm here with Gemma and Ian on the Big Scuba podcast to talk all about underwater sound. Welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma and Ian. Before we get cracking with today's episode, we just want to make sure you have hit that follow button or the subscribe button, depending on what platform you are listening on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy what you're going to hear today, we would really appreciate it if you can leave a review and a five-star rating. So now that's out of the way, we just want to say welcome and thank you for all tuning in. And now it's time to dive into today's episode. If you're wondering what that noise was, no, it wasn't Gemma. That was <laughs> the sound of the what fish make and uh, the whoops, the bangs, the farts, the whistles, and everything else. Can we see farts on the show? I think so. Yeah. yeah. All so all the natural noises that fish make. Anyway. Uh, welcome everyone, welcome back. It's the big scuba. Um, uh, hello, Gemma. Hello, this is episode 112. Yes. Um, so, uh, if you wonder what the show's about, come on. I'm sure you all know what the show's all about. Um, so, look back on our previous episodes and you'll see what we all do. Uh, coming up on this show, we are talking to. Tim Lament. Yeah, and um, talking to him. We've been uh, on the kayaks and we. Could have died, but we didn't. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, also, there's some few congr- congratulations to be said yeah. as well. Yeah, we dive in? And things to uh, talk about. Um, so here we are. Um, spring's on the way, Jim. Yeah. Which is really good, isn't it? Yeah, lovely spring weather at the moment. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, yesterday, um, we were doing a river clean, weren't we? Yeah. So and uh, we usually dive. We uh, have done in this... the past twice before, haven't we? Yeah, so... Uh, so we dive this part of the, the river, in uh, River Yale, I believe it is, in Norwich. Um, and it's a, an event that's organised three or four times a year by Norwich Green Party. It's not a political event no. at all. It just happens to be those guys that event uh, organise it. Uh, and um, we got invited to go along last year. And uh, we have dived it on previous occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we went to go look uh, on Friday, it's a bit um, murky, it was it? really like pea soup. There, there's no visibility. Depth wise, it's about two to three meters. Um, and we have in previous events um, got quite a lot of rubbish out. Haven't we, we have, yeah. Tires, like bikes, cones, yeah. cans, litter, you yeah. name that's been in there. And, but this time we wouldn't have seen anything. No, no. We, we have got a few clips to put on to a YouTube video, just a short one. Um, but we thought, well, the best thing to do is actually we'll kayak this one because um, we're not going to be able to see anything. No, and we had a bit of success. We were magnet fishing as well. Yeah, yeah, you got your first bit of river tre- treasure. <laughs> I know, a bike. A it bike. was a rally bike as well. So. A really good bike. And in fact, something else, uh, one of the litter pickers, because there's a, you know, it's not just us, there's about 50, 60 mm-hmm. uh, people come along to these events, and it's about two hours. And anyone can come. You ain't got to be a member of the Green Party no, at all. all free. You just got to um, have a, um, you know, it helps if you're, you know, you are in the local area. 
Um, but you just got to have a desire to go pick up some litter for a couple of hours. Yeah. Do two hours of litter picking, and then it all goes off to uh, Norwich City Council to recycle. Um, that's what happens to it. But uh, one of the other litter pickers found a really nice bike. It was um, almost almost rideable. I had to flick through on eBay. Uh, other auctions weren't so available. Um, but there was somebody selling one of them for 120 quid, and that's been chucked. And that didn't look like it's been chucked in the river all that long. That no, been in for no. Long. Uh, but the good news is that both of them bikes, they're going to somebody in Norwich who actually cleans them up and uh, they get donated to a charity. You know, if they're any good. If not, they'll be cannibalised. Yeah, which is great because they'll be up, you know, either recycled or upcycled. Yeah, but we've got pictures on the social media of all the stuff that got picked up. Uh, somebody chucked away at this, like, um, advertising hoarding of... Hairdressers. Yeah, like it come from a hairdresser, didn't it? Which is <laughs> random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a like a fender off a boat, wasn't there? Like yeah. A, yeah so. so that was really good, and it was to do also. Uh, there's usually some kind of link. Um, so it was great uh, British Spring Clean. Yeah, that runs through March and April, and then it was International Rivers Day on the 14th of March. Yeah. So it all kind of coincides with their organised event. Yeah. The next one will be in June. Uh, around about mid June, um, probably can do that in my wetsuit. Yeah. The one. temperature of the water we reckon is about eight about degrees. Eight degrees so, yeah, so. I did. T- I did put the power lens down just to have a look when I was on the kayak. I thought I'd just drop it in and have a look, and um, yeah, it's just brown, just brown it swells. Was. And it did feel cold. And um, well, that's one thing, but I, you know, I, I we when you're in the river cleaning and stuff like that. One, you don't know what you're going to be swimming into. No. Two, you won't be able to see where you know where you are, yeah. and you won't see where I am. Um, and also, I know it's not very deep at all. Um, but the point is, if you can't see what you're picking up, or what you're... And you don't know where there's any branches <clears throat> coming, it's not particularly safe. So, no. and we are just doing it for you know a good deed, so That's to right. speak. Yeah, so, so it's a safety call as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but hopefully, on the next one, we'll be done. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some pictures on the EDP coming up, I think. Yes, yes, and we'll share those on social media. Um, there's some pictures of us on our... You were on your kayak and I was on my paddle. Board. Yeah, so... Uh, but in April, got fitness test and also got... Um, uh, should be diving in April or being well. Yes, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to get diving. And um, I've got... An, my place in CrossFit has gone up as well. This is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Still be confirmed. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Um, we need to say congratulations to Jill Hymouth. Yes, she's won an award from the Explorers Club. Yeah, Woo. So that... A round of applause. Yeah, yeah, well done, Jill. So it's the Explorers Club Canadian chapter Stephenson's Medal. Yeah, so, so that's really cool. So, uh, and well-deserved as well, so yeah. well done to Jill. Yeah, and we have a couple of podcasts where we spoke to Jill, all yeah. about her um, diving in the uh, Many icebergs. Many ago, actually. Yeah, but we'll yeah. put some uh, stories on in the week. They must be around about the 30 mark, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. But that was a really, they were really good podcasts. Yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, done some fascinating dives as well. Yeah. Uh, we got some other congratulations as well to yes. some other previous uh, guests. Previous guests. <laughs> and uh, I like to, I'd like to call them friends of the Definitely. podcast. Definitely, yes. Yeah. Uh, is uh, people who people know very well is uh, Christina Sonato and 
Kevin Lorenzen. Yes, and they have announced they've got married. I know, how cool is that? <laughs> so, woo! A round of applause to them as well. Yeah, it's a super, yeah, congratulations. For and they look a great couple as well, and they look do. very happy, so... Yeah, and they're very well suited. They it? are, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, absolutely brilliant. So uh, that's brilliant. All so, good, positive news. On it certainly is. Yeah. We all need some positive news at the moment, so that's great stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, there's a good show coming up now. Um, we s- hopefully go, we're trying to get this guy on, aren't we? Yes, he's got the same surname as me. He's, Kemp. He's apparently has agreed uh, through a third party to come on, so we just need to try and nail him down on that. Um, to come on but there's a good there's a good show coming up um, good uh, series coming up I mm-hmm. should say with Ross Kemp yes and the series is called Shipwreck Treasure Hunters now he learned to dive last summer with some other previous guests of ours yes Michael Thomas yeah, yeah. and uh, you know a lot of people know Michael Thomas and uh, you know all his cave diving and his son as well Rob, yeah, Rob. who's off yeah. to Mexico mm-hmm. um, yeah such a small world the diving world everybody's interlinked I know <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, that be if you've got a chance, look at what Ross is up to with these shipwrecks. Yeah, looks, looks fascinating. And also another link to one of our previous guests is um, Emily Turton. Is she involved. appears on it as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got lots of you know all these guests, previous guests. We spoke to some people. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. But as uh, this week is coming up, you'll see different stories with links to these guests that we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So uh, look out for that. Uh, that's you know, if you've seen any of Ross's previous works, you know it's going to be a fascinating dive. So, uh, and in fact, he's been trained by Mike as well. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's going to be brilliant. So that's on the Sky History Channel. Oh, three dry suits. Well, good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very good, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so. This um, episode is with Tim. Yes, he was on the BBC. Now, I contacted Tim through um, another previous guest, Samantha Howler, mm. who marine biologist who came on, must have been around about episode 70-something. Yeah. Um, and uh, they all know each other, who also know another previous guest, Andy. Yeah. And um, they uh, connected us all up and uh, Tim come on and because we were fascinated by this whole the sounds the sounds of mm. the reef now you know some of the I think sometimes we forget about the sounds but because we're so busy looking around when we're diving yeah, all we actually, can hear is our bubbles can't we no 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 well yes <laughs> and no because yeah you do hear the bubbles but also when you are with uh you know in a, on a reef you do hear all the different some of it you'll hear boats and you're like, oh, what's the sound of that? You know, and you know, I think what's the, you got? You can you can hear a boat over, overhead moving Where is about it? or something. Um, but you all hear, you know. I, I remember, um, you know, a very popular place, uh, Dolphin Hotel in, in the Red Sea, mm. and I could hear this dolphin going, and I couldn't see it, never saw it, unfortunately, but I could hear it, and I was like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Well, it must sound. have been a while, just out of distance. You know? Yeah, and sound is so different underwater, isn't it? To, our ears are different. Well, without underwater. getting too much into physics, but sound travels more in water than mm. it does in air. Yeah, so Tim has done lots of uh, sort of scientific investigations. Yeah, yeah, actually so. fascinating stuff. Anyway, so should we hear what he's got to say? Yeah, we've, we'll hear about all these noises and his journey in the scuba world. Yeah, let's do it. We want to say thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving us some of your time today because it's really exciting. And, you know, we heard of you 
uh, from the BBC, uh, when the BBC uh, shared your story about the sounds of the reef. And, you know, that story went around the world probably two or three times and, again, and back again. And, you know, how amazing that is to hear those sounds of the reef, you know, how, you know, what got you started in diving and particularly what then got you started in marine biology and uh, marine science? You know, what did it? Yeah, that, it, it was a fantastic story, that one, wasn't it? It was such a fun thing for us to discover all these Brilliant. weird and wonderful new sounds that we'd never heard before. No one else had ever heard before on a coral reef. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, being able to share that with the world when we published the paper was just, yeah, really, really exciting. And and it took off. I think it was a week where there wasn't a lot of positive news going around. So I, I think people really latched onto it as a sort yeah. of a, a bit of fun, a good news story. Uh, and yeah, it, it attracted a lot of attention. Um, and, and it's that sort of sense of uh, fun and sense of exploration and sense of discovering the unknown that, that first drew me into this field as well actually um yeah. I, I was a I was a marine biologist before I was a scuba diver I don't know if that's unusual or not but I uh, <laughs> I learned to scuba dive because I had to um in order to study the ecosystems that I was so interested in uh, and and it re it was that sense of um sense of discovery and sense of the unknown that took me underwater I think I'd, I started off studying biology and then and then quite quickly was drawn towards the underwater world as somewhere where the edge of what we know is so close you know and mm. by, by that I mean you, you, you really don't have to look very far at all before you discover things that nobody has ever seen or heard or understood yet. Yeah so did you do your studying in the UK? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I started studying as an undergrad. I was at the University of Cambridge and then uh, that was where I first studied coral reefs. I, I first sort of had my eyes open to the, the wonder of these, you know, diverse, crazy, crazy diverse ecosystems. Um, I, I was working as an assistant for somebody who was uh, doing his PhD on coral bleaching and trying to understand um, how and why some reefs bleach and other reefs um, mm don't and some reefs recover and other reefs don't uh, and, and so yeah as, as my uh, one of my jobs as his assistant uh, was first to learn to scuba dive and then to be his dive buddy uh, and come yeah. you know swim along behind him holding all his equipment and you know taking all the notes and reeling in the tape measure when he was done with surveys and all that sort of thing. Yeah so Cambridge is kind of local to us did you learn to dive in the East Anglian region? Yeah I um I, I learned to dive um, a mixture. This guy I was working for was working in Kenya. So I, I learned to dive a mixture of, in, in a mixture of East Anglia and, and in Kenya. Um, I, I think I, it was a while ago now, but from memory, I think I did almost all of the theory, um, all of the first sort of, um, you know, technical skills and stuff um, in, uh, in a mixture of swimming pools. And, and there was some freshwater site we went to in East Anglia. I, I can't actually remember where it was, um, mainly because most of the time I was taking my mask on and off underwater. And then I, uh, yeah, yeah, diving as a scientist is a bit of, uh, there's a few extra skills to learn because it's just so much faff with the amount of equipment you have to carry and, and you know, to try, trying to dive when you're also trying to carry eight or ten different things and, yeah. you know, manage clipboards and uh, recording equipment and whatever else. Um, 
is uh, is an additional challenge. So so that's my my memory of my first ten or twenty dives is you know yeah. having learned in this nice atmosphere where your your hands are completely free and your you know buoyancy is controlled just by your your breathing and your buoyancy aid. You know to then be given this whole rigmarole of extra equipment that I had to carry as well was uh, yes yeah. yeah, so certainly as a challenge as a as a beginner dive. And buoyancy is so important, especially for what you do because. You know, you're you know you're not in muddy ponds. You you know your buoyancy control has got to be spot on. Your own reefs, you know. Yeah, uh, it's a really underrated skill, I think. Um, yeah, that being able to yeah c- control your buoyancy, but also do it in a way where you, you don't even really have to think about it. You know, and yeah. you know when when you look when you see that somebody's really good at something, it looks like it's just effortless for them, and it looks yeah. like that they're, they're just not even thinking about it and not even trying and and I would love to get there one day. I certainly, certainly. It's amazing. Yeah. When, when I look at, at scientists and researchers who, who have that, you know, really, really refined diving skills, and and you can just tell that they're not even having to think about it, and that allows mm-hmm. them to free their entire mind to focus on, you know, whatever the survey or the experiment or the task at hand is. And it's it's such an advantage in our field. Yeah. yeah. As um, I've been a dive master for a while, and. Uh, I won't name this person because I think she'd be embarrassed probably, but um, a particular instructor who's been an instructor um, for a long time and um, done thousands of dives uh, from Norwich. Uh, I've watched her at work as an instructor while she's been, you know, helping somebody with, you know, the the, the mask removal and things like that. It's just, yeah. She's holding perfect buoyancy, just even a few inches from the the bottom you know and you think wow to be able to do that and communicate with somebody and keep breathing keep them buoyant and you know so task loaded you know so it is a uh, as you say it, you know it's a skill and uh, people some people probably do take it quite uh, for granted and, and it's and it comes, so easy yeah I suppose it comes with know. time it's something that's new divers just have to work at yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, you've been doing this for a while. We got uh, connected by a mutual friend and previous guest, uh, Samantha Howlett, who Sam was on a while back, uh, talking about coal bleaching and what have you. Yeah, that's right. I've just joined the same research group um, that that Sam's been involved in for the last three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing how small the scuba world is, because... People work all around the world, and yet we find that people suddenly link up or they know someone that we've interviewed, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's all yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. It's, it's nice to make those connections, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's good to see so many people, you know, people from the UK then appearing from all around the world, you know, doing their projects yeah. as well. Yeah, I think increasingly we're we're, we're trying to. Um, develop connections internationally like that especially in, in the in the scientific world and in, in the world of sort of science diving we, we find it's it's often really advantageous to have these um cross-continental you know international projects going on because it means you know we can share knowledge and share findings across mm-hmm. different systems um different ecosystems even sometimes and, and really help each other out in that way so being plugged into the sort of wider global network of of divers and marine biologists is something that's really valuable. 
Yeah. So your career, where's it taken you? Is it taking you all around the world and specifically on reefs? Or have you done other work with anim, you know, marine mammals? Yeah, I've, um, I've never worked with marine mammals. I've always been a fish kind of a person. Um, I, I don't quite know why that is. But um, yeah, most of my work has, has been in the, the Indo-Pacific region. So when we talk about coral reefs, we talk about the the Indo-Pacific reefs, which is anywhere all the way from the east coast of Africa, across the Indian Ocean, into Southeast Asia, over to Australia, and then into the Pacific Ocean as well. So yeah. it's really quite a large area. Yeah. But we talk about that being as quite distinct from the Caribbean, which is a different region, which has diff you know a lot of different species of, um, of corals and fish and a sort of different type of coral reef. So mm. I've mainly worked on Indo-Pacific reefs. Um, and, and quite, yeah, across quite a number of different sites, trying to understand more about the, the sounds uh, that you can hear on these reefs and what that means about the, the wider ecosystem health. Yeah, so the sound of the reefs, is that something that you study specifically or is it just part of a bigger scale project? Yeah, that's right. I've, um, I've been, for the last sort of five or six years, I was involved in a research group in uh, Exeter University. Uh, and there were a sort of, there were about 10 or 12 of us um, all looking at underwater sound as a specific topic. Um, we found it was a, a specialism that the more we um, sort of dug into and investigated, the more we could understand. And, and we started to build up a, a big inventory, of, you know, garage loads of kit and equipment <laughs> for taking recordings underwater and playing back sounds underwater. So it made sense to sort of specialise in that. Um, and yeah, the, we're looking at it from all sorts of different angles. So, you know, on the one hand, um, people like me were looking at the natural sounds of the sea. So, you know, eavesdropping in on all sorts of animals that make noise underwater, anything from like tiny little shrimps all the way up to blue whales. Um, and then at the other half of the research group, we're looking at human noise pollution in, mm -hmm. in you know, lakes, rivers, oceans, and, and the negative impacts that can have on animals, but then also the, the positive ways in which we can manage that and, and reduce the harm that we're doing to under, underwater ecosystems with noise. So there are lots and lots of different research topics, but, but all sort of focused on, on, yeah, on listening underwater as, as a new way to understand and to protect our ecosystem. It's weird, because I, I can think of um, a dive I was doing in the Red Sea, and a beautiful place, and uh, lovely clear waters, white sands, you know, really nice colours to look at as well. And then you hear the clunking noise and the, the sound of an engine starting up. And, and although that might be a whale, it does ruin it. And you kind of think, well, what's it must be like for the animals? And, and I've heard and read stories about why some uh, whales they believe have got stranded and things. And they, you know, uh, there's been talk that it could be because of noises going on under sea from uh, drilling or it could be uh, military stuff that's going on that's been tested. And there's loads of different questions about why certain animals that all of a sudden behave totally out of character and then will, you know, like why, why do a group of whales all of a sudden breach themselves? You know. Ab absolutely. Yeah. And th that analogy you use is quite a good one because, you know, a lot of us have been on dives like that where 
you know, you're just bugged the whole dive by some really loud sound going on, whether yeah. it's boats driving around over your head mm. or the sound of some construction project nearby. Yeah. Or, or even if you're just diving very close to the shore and there's a lot of waves, you can hear the waves the whole dive and you're just very conscious of not being able to hear anything else. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we get that distracted and that sort of bugged by it even though we're not particularly good at listening underwater as animals. Our ears are designed to work in air. Yeah. Um, we can hear some stuff underwater, but we can't hear an awful lot. Um, you know, you compare that to animals underwater, and a lot of these animals are acoustic specialists, you know, because you can't see very far underwater. They've developed their ability to make sounds and to listen to sounds and to identify different sounds. You know, they've really, really honed it over years and years and years of evolution you know that they really are you know acoustic specialists and so when you then introduce noise pollution into these animals environment you know they're usually so reliant on what they can hear so when you muck that up it, it can mm. have disastrous consequences yeah. you know as, as you said there's been a lot of reports of, of whales and dolphins beaching themselves in response to extreme noise pollution uh, a, a study in our research group a couple of years ago found that um, noise pollution can cause deaths for fish as well, um, usually because they're so distracted uh, that they'll get the, the rate at which they'll get eaten by predators goes through the roof because, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, they're, they're so put off and distracted that they either don't or can't function as they usually would. And then the predator comes and nails them. And, and so there's a, a real sense that, you know, when, when you take away or when you disrupt this, you know, key cornerstone of life for animals underwater, then, uh, yeah, yeah it, it really can muck things up for them. Yeah. So what's been your uh, favourite sound? So if you go for a dive, you, you, you're, you're working and as part of your research, you know, it's a particular sound you think, oh, I'm, you know, that's really good, good to hear that. You know, that's a good sign to hear. Yeah, my, my favourite ones actually are, are the ones that we don't, don't know much about, the unknown ones, because that really, uh, yeah, it, it sort of makes me laugh and uh, fills me with intrigue when you hear these bizarre sounds across the reef yeah. and you just think, oh, I've, I've no idea what animal's making that. And it must sure be hard to knows. tell. Yeah, is, is it that fish making that noise or is it that one making but Exactly, and, and before I was saying we're not very good at listening underwater, that, that's a good example that we're almost incapable of, of telling the direction from which yeah. a sound underwater comes, you know, and, and I think we've, a lot of us will have had that experience where you, you hear a boat, right, and maybe you're in shallow water or you're doing your safety stop or something and you're thinking, oh, pants, I'm a bit shallow here, I, I should get my head down, yeah. and then you frantically look around, don't you, and you're thinking, where's this boat coming from? Yeah, and, no idea. And you've no idea where it's coming from, yeah. you know, and that's in, that's in contrast to if you're just you know, living your normal life in air, you're walking down the road, you hear a car, you know exactly where it comes from. Yeah. And that's because your ears and your brain are hardwired to listen and to detect sounds in air. So you can you can tell where the sound's coming from in air, but when you're in, in water, you haven't got a clue. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that adds to the difficulty of our job because when we're listening underwater, you hear some new sound and yeah, you've no idea what direction it's coming from. And so you look around for a fish or an animal that could have made it. And of course, they'll, you know, there'll be hundreds of fish in front of you. <laughs> and unlike birds or mammals, fish don't really make an, an obvious 
physical outward sign that they are mm. making a noise you know like they often yeah. don't like they don't open their mouth or like, <laughs> you know, flap their fins or anything so, so there's really it can be quite difficult to know which fish is making a noise so i guess something like puffer fish must make a noise because you've got all that air and then they puff them up don't they? and then you think well they've got that release maybe they make a noise yeah <laughs> Loads of fish make noise, actually. The, the latest estimate is that they reckon almost definitely hundreds and probably thousands of fish species are making noise. And they have loads and loads of different ways of making noise as well. So, wow. so some of them are, are using air, like you suggest. So, for instance, a, a lot of fish have a swim bladder, right? And that's yeah. a bag of air inside the stomach of the fish that they can inflate and deflate and, and use that to control their buoyancy. You know, but a bit like you and I use a buoyancy. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so quite often they will have rings of muscle around that bag of air. And then when they tense those muscles, it hits the bag of air and it literally, it plays it like a drum. So you hear these sort of, you know, sounds a bit like that. And they're playing, playing their own swim bladder. Um, other fish expel air very quickly, um, like you say. So, um, so they're basically farting, you know, so a lot of fish are making these sounds like spelling air through their anus. Um, some fish are making making sounds using you know mechanisms in their throat or, or even like banging their teeth together so clownfish chatter their teeth together and they yeah. talk to each other like that so loads of different ways in which these animals are making sounds yeah that's amazing and then obviously you've got the coral I guess that makes noise as well does it as it sort of moving and uh, the, the, the coral itself doesn't make a lot of noise, um, but, but what you do hear a lot from the coral is animals inside it mm. making noise. So within the skeletons and, and inside the sort of crevices of the reef, there'll be loads of invertebrates and they make a lot of noise, especially the snapping shrimps. So the snapping shrimp is um, yeah, one of the loudest animals in the ocean because it has this amazing ability to close its claw super, super quickly and open it super super quickly again and that it, you know it happens so fast that it creates an air bubble that immediately then cavitates and makes wow. this sort of micro explosion in and around the claw and, and you hear that as a really really loud crack sound and because there's so many of these shrimps and they're all doing it the, the result of all these individual crack sounds is is like the sound of um, frying bacon or the sound of static <laughs> on your radio or the That's sound fast. of like some people say it's like when you pour milk into rice krispies and you get that yes. sort of crackling sound yeah um, yeah so you hear that almost almost any shallow water ecosystem in the tropics you'll, you'll hear snapping shrimp just right, yeah and everybody thinks when you go underwater it's going to be a tranquil quiet place and now you're just like yeah this, this is it coral reefs are the are loudest ecosystems in the sea um uh, suppose, yeah, they're, they're anything but quiet i suppose these sounds have always been there but our ears don't pick up on it no. don't pick up on the frequencies yeah and and i think it especially that it, it's a bit of a paradox isn't it that we're used to scuba diving being one of the best ways to free ourselves to explore the underwater world to allow ourselves to stay underwater for longer than one one breath hold you know and spend time down there but actually a lot of our scuba diving equipment is quite noisy you know if you think when when yeah. you're diving if you're not on a rebreather or something you know you're constantly hearing the bubbles coming yeah. out of your um out of your mouthpiece and then rushing up past your head past your ears quite often you'll get some air trapped in your ears as well 
yeah. and then even yeah. aside from the breathing noise you know if you think like just all the sort of creaking of your bcd moving around on your shoulders and maybe someone's getting your attention and banging their tank yeah. yeah. maybe your boat's anchor is is clicking someone getting a torch and shine it in your eyes <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, dives quite a bit yeah yeah so, so <laughs> the act of the act of scuba diving can be uh can be quite noisy can't it and, and can then distract us from listening to the world underwater yeah i suppose you just need to kind of you get your buoyancy right and just float and just kind of breathe yeah. you ever get like, this is um, it we're, all, we're always hesitant to advise people to hold their breath while they scuba dive because that's like you know number one rule of scuba diving you don't yeah. hold your breath right you <laughs> do if, hear if, the sound, if so. your buoyancy is stable and you're not going to to rise rapidly then it can be quite amazing to just for a second or two not yeah. breathe in or out and just listen and in that moment of silence before your next breath just appreciate all the things you can hear yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sure. i was going to ask you um do you ever get like asked you know when bbc um or national geographic and they they'll make a documentary on underwater worlds and things do they ever ask you about you know advising on sounds and things like that yeah, there was a, a documentary, um, I think it was Apple TV made um, recently, in, in which I was working with their technical, um, you know, their technical people who, who do all the sound balancing and mixing yeah. with the music and the commentary of, and all that. Um, yeah, I, I was doing the, um, the natural sounds for them. And they were cool. using a bunch of, it's a mixture of recordings, some of which I'd taken and some of which they'd taken as they were doing their, their filming. Yeah. Um, and we were, yeah, I, I was tasked with making sure that the sounds that we were hearing from the reef were, were mm. realistic and, yeah. and whereas you'd hear them underwater uh, and, and all that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I think there's an, as we're learning more about the underwater world, it's nice to see that these wildlife documentaries are no longer just sort of dubbing oh, the sound of it. bubbles over any underwater scene, you I've know, but seen, you're, you're quite often uh, getting more and more realistic sounds in these documentaries. Have you seen the latest David Attenborough, The Green Planet? And, uh, I'm watching slightly, it. Yeah, I've, I've, not seen, I've not seen all of it. I've only watched the first It's episode. above water, but it's still... How yeah, brilliant, so. you know, and I know plants don't make all these noises and the pops and the bangs no. and stuff that we know of, but when you watch something that's been speeded up and there's like a pop go with something yeah. that's just popped, and you think, wow, all of a sudden it brings these things to life. And... You can understand why, you know, to, you know, non-divers, us divers, uh, why when your story come out about the reef and the growls and the pops and all that, why it fascinated so many people. And you're right, you know, it was, you know, there's so much bad press at the moment. It's brilliant when when somebody goes out, yeah, we all hear this, this is what's going on. Yeah, it's good. It is really better. great. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, it's really good. So what you're what you're currently doing, have you got some diving planned and some projects planned? Uh, I, I don't have a lot of diving plans. In fact, I'm not yeah, but I've not been diving with work for, for ages now, um, because of COVID. Yeah. You know, travel is so difficult. So we've been trying to develop um new ways of working where where we sort of get, you know, our international collaborations become collaborations where nobody travels so i've spent a lot of time on zoom or on teams or, or on you know whatsapp or whatever talking to people who are living next to coral reefs and i'm working with them you know and typically they'll i'll post equipment 
um, or, or I'll email, you know, you know, survey requests and whatever, and then they'll mm. go out and do the surveys or deploy the equipment, you know, and then we'll work work together on the data afterwards. And and so yeah, I've do, done my, my, most of my diving has been vicarious over the last year. Or two. <laughs> I've got to ask, what about the UK? You know, there's we've got chalk reefs, we've got chalk reefs off East Anglia. Yeah. Um, there must be, um, you know, a need to understand, you know, what's going on in our sea uh, yeah absolutely so, so I've, done, I've done a bit of work yeah supporting other projects in the uk and i'm working to yeah help them collect data too it, it's not yeah. my specialist area so I'm, I'm usually in the dive buddy role rather than you know leading the experiments but um, okay. yeah done, done especially off the south coast quite a lot actually some um testing some equipment um and mm. testing some new hydrophones so you know putting them on, on you know around like reefs and seagrass beds and stuff off the yeah, south yeah. coast to see what we could record with them uh, and then also looking at um doing some experiments looking at sea bream um off the south coast and, and yeah. the impacts on their nesting season um that's uh construction noise and, and noise pollution was having for them mm. so yeah so some some bits and pieces in the uk for sure um but but yeah the majority of of my expertise is on tropical coral reefs so yeah. a lot of the last year or two has has been spent yeah working internationally on that for me yeah well hopefully yeah things will get a little bit better and be able to get out and travel and get back yeah yeah, yeah. well we'll see and, and in the meantime we, we get better and better at, at you know forging these collaborations without mm. necessarily needing to travel so yeah. Yeah, try, trying to make the best of a bad situation as, as a lot of people yeah. are doing well some good you know does come out of it doesn't it and we learn to work in different ways and you know, like you say absolutely I, th I think it makes us more flexible it brings more people into the project and, mm. and ultimately allows us to get more done probably even when travel opens up again we'll probably then be more efficient because of the the lessons we've learned yes. in this yeah. time so yeah. yeah i'm presuming a lot of this equipment is really expensive more than probably the average diver would want to spend or underwater photographer because I'm thinking, well, if you could capture some of the sounds uh, with reasonably priced equipment, you could enhance your YouTube videos, your social media stuff that you you share. Yeah, it's like having a busy camera. I guess. You don't see that, do you? you? Don't generally see divers. And well, it's, it's interesting you should mention that because because that's one of the things we've been working on just this last year. You know, sort of hot off the hot off the press, our, our last two research papers in the last couple of months have been looking at exactly that because one of our frustrations as scientists is that the equipment that we use to record these sounds. Has historically been so expensive you know these mm, hydrophones yeah. are thousands of pounds yeah. and really quite difficult to use and you know it takes a lot of training and, and experience to learn how to use them properly uh, and we thought well you know does it have to be that complicated and and surely you know albeit with a, sl a slightly less fancy recording surely you could still get a decent recording with something yeah. that was a bit more cheap and cheerful and so we've been testing that. So we've been, been running tests with, with two, two instruments. Um, the first you'll have heard of, the first is a GoPro, um, okay. because of course they record sound underwater. Yeah. And, and so we've been comparing the quality of a recording you get on a GoPro to that with our fancy hydrophones. Oh, yeah. And then the second is this, very, is this new, very low cost. Um, it, it's a low cost microphone that people have been using to, to listen to bats and frogs and things in forests for ages. Yeah. It's about the size of a matchbox. It costs about 60 or 70 quid, and they call it an audio moth. 
Um, and we've, we've worked with the developers there to make a waterproof version and then test this waterproof version. Well, and uh, yeah, it, and both both the GoPro and, and this um, HydroMock, they called it, the underwater version of the AudioMock, they both take really quite decent quality recordings. We, we can do a lot of the science that we would usually do with our fancy hydrophones. We, we can do it with those recordings. Um, they're, they're not as good, but but they're they're good enough for a lot of purposes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know, as you suggest, but for people who are interested in recording the sounds that they encounter mm. on their dives, as well as you know, recording mm. pictures and video, that both of those would absolutely be up to that task. And mm. and so I think we're we're now seeing exciting new potential for loads more people to get involved in this field if they'd like to. Yeah. That'd be really cool because you know at most. You know, any any underwater stuff is, you know, you all you hear is a muffle. Really, yeah, a or, or you see pictures. Muffle, That's really. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes it. So from people taking pictures and videos, it puts it to kind of slightly different level. Um, sort of recording sounds, and again, it's like like citizen science thing as well, isn't it? So you might get more information. You track. <laughs> so you heard this. So like, uh, as you say, citizen science. You do all these apps of you take a picture and you log. GPS, where you've seen this certain fish, you could do the same. And this is the sound it made. Well, yeah. I think. I think Absolutely. The There's huge potential for that sort of program. I, I think you're right. And I'd be very surprised if over the next 10 or 20 years, we don't see that sort of thing mm. starting to develop. Yeah, no, it's interesting yeah, stuff. It is, yeah. 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 I find it fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> and it's really good because it kind of, people can see that underwater world and see that science that you're bringing that is very accessible. To understand you know we're seeing it on the BBC news site and everyone around the world is and it just yeah hopefully would inspire some more people to think what a blew me away when I you know when I saw that pop up and you hear these sounds you're like oh my god yeah this is brilliant there's something just quite inherently sort of fun and curious yeah. about it isn't it that you know for, for some reason we all think fish are silent and then when you discover they're not you know i think there's something quite childlike about the sort of you know the, yeah. the glee that that gives you <laughs> yeah 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 no i think you know anything to do with the underwater world safe but it can be fun can't it and and obviously you can make a career out of it as well which is yeah. uh, even better so, yeah. yeah i like the fact as well there's you're looking into some new emerging technology as well because it's all positive mm. you know at some stage if that comes out to the the everyday user in, in years to come you know how much more enhancing does it and more people will want to get in the water more people will, will be interested yes. which means hopefully more people will be more thinking about why we've got protected and do more about looking after it and things like that yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's got real power as a um, as a sort of engagement tool in that way. Yeah. You know, if you think back back in the seventies, um, you know that there was this famous record that came out of um, uh, recordings of the, the song of the humpback whale. It was called, mm -hmm. and, and quite often that's credited with. Um, it, it was very popular. Lots of people bought this record, and, and it was right. just a, a recording of a humpback whale. Um, and people found it very beautiful. They found it very moving. Uh, and they reckon it was a real sort of, you know, emotive push behind um, some, some of those campaigns right. to stop whaling and, and the success mm. of those campaigns. And you now look at the, you know, the state of international bans on whaling that exists now. 
you know, I think a lot of that is is down, you know, as, as well as the, the science and the, the facts around it, um, down to that, you know, emotive power that people felt in, in that recording. Yeah. Well, I think it brings them more from being a two-dimensional thing to a three-dimensional, where people can think, blimey, these are actually intelligent animals, actually. Uh, they aren't just, yeah. you know, a, a dumb beast that's in the water and we can do what we like with it. Actually, they've got some intelligence. They're, they're communicating and uh, mm. they can understand what we're doing and things like that. And uh, you've got to treat them with respect. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You know, definitely get that. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, we're here to protect what we've got on this planet. And uh, if people have more of an awareness of the underwater world, and appreciate it more, then hopefully that goes a little yeah, bit of a long it does, way. To... It does. Which kind of brings us round, okay? So we, you know, um, brings us round to our set question, is, You know, if we got three people that you can take in the water, who and to listen to your sounds for the very first time, who are you gonna um, take with you? Ah, uh, it's a good question. That one. Um... The, the first one is actually a real life one for me, um, which is, uh, yeah, it's something I'm quite looking forward to that I've wanted to do for years, um, but uh, I haven't been able to for, for various different reasons. Um, and that's to teach my wife to scuba dive. Oh, and, uh, so, so she's she's done a discover scuba dive. So she has been underwater before, but but she's not done her, her um, you know, her, her first sort of learning to dive an independent diver. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we're, we're we're hoping that we're going to start that. She's got COVID at the moment, which has slowed things down a wee bit. But when she recovers, we're hoping we're going to start with some of the theory. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and yeah, get get a get a tank on her back and get a mask Brilliant. on and and take her underwater. Um, yeah, so that, cool. that's something really special. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And and then in terms of in terms of who else I, I would love to take underwater, I think there are there are people in this world, aren't there, that for whatever reason seem to just command interest and command people's you know opinions and um yeah wh wh when they say stuff people listen in a way that yeah others don't and, and I, mm. I never quite understand why that is but but i think if we could get people like that you know really you know involved in and and amazed and engaged um yeah. by by the natural world and, and especially the wonders of the underwater world that'd be something very powerful so um you know I'd, i don't know maybe i'd take I'm a football fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, so maybe I'll take Jurgen Klopp underwater or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other teams are available. Other teams are available, but someone else can take them underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be so good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, have you got a number three? Uh, number three. Um, no, I, I'll stick with just two. I, I yeah, think yeah. I think we'll be all right. My wife Ruth and Jürgen Klopp, and we'll, we'll have a nice dive the three of us. <laughs> cool. No, that's good. So our second question is: If you had a billboard that you could put out across for the whole world to see, so everyone across the world would be able to see it, what would you put on that billboard? It could be a statement or a picture, a video. Sam. Or a, yeah, like a recording. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and th there's been some powerful billboards, haven't there, over, over the years that people have put up. Um, I, I wonder if it's a bit of a cheat to to, to request a, a, a billboard that can predict the future. And <laughs> and I, I, I wonder. You if haven't you had could, one before. 
if you could split it in two and and you could demonstrate to people in that way that actually you know we have the power to create different futures and alternative futures that that is very much within our power and and so if you could find some way to to show people on the one side what the future is going to look like if we carry on as we are now yeah. and then on the other side how much better the future might look if we could make a few small changes um and ideally some big changes as well um but, cool. but i think that that is a, a way of thinking that would be very powerful this um yeah. yeah really good. convincing people that, that we aren't passive we, we we aren't just sort of condemned to this terrible future you know and there's nothing any of us can do about it but that we still have the power to change the, the course of the future yeah, yeah that's brilliant i think it's um, and the final one would be, you know, we like to give our listener a bit of a nugget for life or nugget for their diving. From your experiences, um, you know, could you give us a, a nugget or something you should take away from your experiences, maybe from underwater? Yeah, so I, I might get in trouble for this one, but, but my nugget for diving is uh, has a little asterisk next to it because the nugget is try holding your breath. And the asterisk, of course, is, you know, only when it's safe and don't go to the surface <laughs> yeah. while you're doing it and all that. But yeah, ne next time you're underwater, if, if you've never done it before, get your buoyancy stable, get still in the water and then just for a couple of seconds, try and just not make any noise at all. Hold your breath, be Listen. completely still uh, and just open your ears and, and start to appreciate the, the sounds that you can hear around you. I think it adds a completely new dimension to, to diving and to appreciating the the wonderful weirdness of the underwater world yeah I'll try it yeah yeah brilliant <laughs> you can do it for a second or two and you'll just hear that silence or you'll hear something won't you? yeah yeah or other divers probably or other divers. <laughs> 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 or on one of those ROV things yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah I've heard one of them underwater and you could hear it a long time way before you see them coming along and you're like wow. what's that noise what's that noise and like, yeah. here they come there they go yeah no it's really really good so yeah. yeah fascinating absolutely brilliant and uh you know definitely you know uh thank you for sharing that with us all you know so we could all hear those sounds so yeah. uh, absolutely brilliant if anybody wants to follow um your research have you got anywhere where there where there is a good place for them to go to find out a bit more about the noises under the underwater world uh yeah i, I occasionally post stuff on on twitter um so i'm tim ac lament on twitter um and i guess you can probably drop that handle into whatever um yeah. you know websites you're posting this on yeah, 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 no, that's brilliant. great. Yeah, yeah, and we'll put a link to the BBC. Or is there anything at uh, length to university that we can direct people to? You know. Yeah, yeah. The the research group I've just joined there is um it's called LEC Reefs. LEC is short for the Lancaster Environment Centre. That's the department in the university we're part of. And so <laughs> LEC Reefs is our our research group. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe if anybody's got any questions, you know, they can put them our way and then we can forward them on to you if they're interested in kind of your research. And yeah, absolutely. Be, be more than happy to answer questions. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, we'll say thank you very much. It's been absolutely, you know, it's been brilliant and uh, fascinating and, uh, you know, keeping contact. Um, it'd be great to know what else you're working on in, in, in time. And uh, yeah, that's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I will do. And, and thanks for having me. Re really enjoyed chatting. 
it's been good. Thank you. It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation that we had with Tim. Fascinating stuff. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, makes you uh, when you want to go when you next go diving, just quiet. Well, as Tim said, that he obviously it is. You can hold your breath just, just to listen. It's yes. just nothing. We're not talking about holding it. Before we get loads of emails, well, David Scuba, you tell people to hold your up. We're not telling people to hold your breath. Yeah. Just saying, just, just take pause, a moment, listen. Just pause and listen. Just, yeah. just that, just that. Yeah. All right. So well, we are definitely not telling you to go dive and then hold your breath. No. All right. Although yeah. you might do that if you're free diving, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, it's a whole different thing for free divers, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, let's not get anyway, that. Anyway, no, exactly. So, uh, but it was really good. And I want to say thanks for Tim coming on. Thanks for Samantha for connecting us up. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, what the power of social media, how you can release something. And then, you know, like the likes of the BBC and The Guardian. And it went viral, just didn't it? Just goes around the globe and uh, things like that. So. Yeah. And again, it's really good because it opens another avenue for people that maybe are thinking about marine biology or diving just where it can lead yeah yeah absolutely so uh yeah brilliant stuff and uh you know go to and follow tim and uh, what what they're doing um yeah he's based at lancaster university yeah, yeah. so uh, great stuff thanks tim for coming on who have we got coming up next week we've got a young lady hold on I can hear the drums, Fernando. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've got a girl, a young girl called Alexa Fernando. I know, what a great name. Yep, so she is a, a sort of Filipino and Canadian, um, and she is an ambassador diver for Paddy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, and she just tells us all and about her journey. Of... Named after one of Abba's uh, top ten singles. Yeah, I have heard that song as well. Have you? Yeah, Blimey. yeah, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. The drums of Fernando, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she tells us all about her uh, journey and how she got into scuba diving. Yeah. And uh, she's got an amazing uh, Instagram page. Paddy, Paddy um, Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I've said that. Okay, I was listening. <laughs> yeah, <well>. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look her Instagram account up, just to get an Did idea. Did you know she's a Paddy Ambassador as yes. well? Yes, yeah, I think we've got that now. So if you look up AJ Fernando on Instagram and you can see she puts uh, lots lots up there of all her diving um, where she's based so yeah amazing seen some, seen some great stuff yeah Mako shark sea lion and a humpback whale all in the same trip. wow so, not bad is it just like a, a usual dive at Stony Cove really <laughs> yeah see the crayfish if you want to see if you want to see them just go to Stony Cove you'll see it all mm, but yeah I'll get another letter complaint <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, maybe I'll hold my breath, just no. have a listen. Anyway, also this week, we've got a couple of special days coming up. There is some special days yep. coming up. Yeah, there is, yeah. What are they? International Day of the Forests. Right. So forests have a big impact, obviously, on our planet. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah. World Water Day. Yeah, brilliant. And then International Day of the Seal. International Day of the Seal. Yeah. That sounds like a book, doesn't it? Well, we need to sort of celebrate these days yeah, just to raise. Day Sounds like um, the day of the jackal, doesn't it? Which is in that book, that no. film. No, but, seen that film? but I have got news for everybody. I have watched the Abyss. Yes, brilliant film. Yeah, yeah great. I watched what it do you last think night. I loved it. It's yeah, quite tense. James Cameron film. Yeah, but definitely. Nineteen ninety nine, I believe that came out. 
Something like that. And yeah. the uh, there's two or three different endings to that film. Mm. Well, that one they obviously made it back. Yeah, if you're not seen the the film The Abyss, watch it. It's a really good film. Mm. Um, totally recommend that. So uh, you know, we all know as uh, as divers that a lot of underwater films are not always that great. You know. Um, the one film I'm thinking of is either Meg or um, 47 Metres Down. Well, I've seen Meg, but... The one, 47 Metres Down is an absolute classic, where they're like down, they spend like an hour down at 47 metres, then come straight up! <laughs> and it's like, they're fine! Fine! Yeah, it's all fine. Um, they're okay. They survived. Well, the poetic licence is... Yeah, it? yeah, it's a little bit. So, but that's, that's Hollywood, huh? Yeah. Things... You know, physics are different in Hollywood. Yeah. But anyway, there are some good diving films out there if you've got any recommendations. It's quite an interesting point because why were you listening to... Why did you sit and watch the James Cameron film? There's a reason to it, though, wasn't there? We were talking about um, breathing underwater and yes. obviously the lungs being filled up with... There's a big belief about going back to... Because when we're babies... Your lungs are actually filled with water. We're immersed in water. Yeah, and one of the things that James Cameron brings into that film towards the end is that when he dives really deep, he has to fill his lungs with, with that fluid, with that oxygen, fluid. oxygen, yeah. oxygen Which, fluid. Yeah, yeah. It could be the, could be the, you know, the science of the future. We don't know. No, never know. It might be going on. But yeah, well, oh, you never know. Mind. We never know. You know, things yeah. are. A foot where you know science goes on underground and yep. underwater, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch this space, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, but if there's any recommendations for other films to watch about the underwater diving world, then send them our way. Yeah, yeah, anyway, uh, that's it for now. We've just done 5k, we have you did very, really well. Yeah, so uh, done that one, uh, tick that little box off. That's the Sunday tick box back to CrossFit next week. So, uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, thanks for tuning in and downloading this episode and we will see you on the next one Mm -hmm. with Alexa Fernando. Yep, we certainly will. So, have a good week, everybody. See you later. Now, that does wrap up today's episode of the Big Scuba podcast. But if you want to hear more from the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button depending on what platform you are listening on. That way, you will never miss an episode from us. But... If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy what you heard today, we would really appreciate it if you head to the show page to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help us. If you do, please take a screenshot of that review and send it to us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out to say a big thank you. If you have any questions for us, or anything that has been mentioned in today's episode, be sure to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email. The links are in the show notes. We will get back to you no matter what. If you have made it to this point in the episode, we both want to say a big, big thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.